from the CSI Today News Desk at the College of Staten Island. Welcome to the CSI Today Talks Podcast with your hosts, David Pizzuto and Terry Manns. The CSI Today Talks Podcast is your connection to the College of Staten Island with the newsmakers that make it happen. From world-renowned faculty and staff, dynamic students, and community leaders, stay connected to CSI with CSI Today Talks. And now, here is your host, David Pizzuto. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to CSI Today Talks right here on CSIToday.com. And from wherever you are listening to your favorite podcast, I am your co-host, David Pizzuto, welcoming you into another show here as we debut on Monday, November 6th of 2023. This is Season 3, Episode 9, as we come uh, at you in just a few moments with not one, not two, but three guests today. Had the pleasure of talking to CSI professors Zhan Yang Zhang, Alan Benimoff, and the City University of New York's Ricardo Toledo Crow. They all joined me from the Mesonet Weather Station that's located on CSI's campus. They're tied to a great project uh, regarding the weather station and also FloodNet Gateway Project that monitors, of course, flooding on the borough of Staten Island, works in cooperation with other sensors uh, around the five boroughs to really um, do wonders really for forecasting and of course for data collection of weather patterns and of course flooding that goes on. Important environmental science discussion here uh, today. No matter where you're listening to us, we hope that you subscribe to our podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or from wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And also to subscribe to our website at CSIToday.com. If you visit CSIToday.com and look at the right-hand toolbar, there is a way to subscribe to our website to keep up with the latest happenings at the College of Staten Island, including this podcast. You'll get access to our weekly newsletter, CSI Today This Week, and we're happy to bring that to you each and every week like this podcast. Hope that you'll bear with me as uh, I am getting over and still getting through a pretty nasty illness myself, and um, but happy to be talking to um, three guests today. Our topic today concerns the Mesonet Weather Station that's located at the College of Staten Island, in case you are unfamiliar. The Mesonet Weather Station is located on the roof of Building 1R, the Sports and Recreation Center on campus. It consists of a number of different analysis tools that measures weather, wind speed, rainfall, and much, much more. And a recent addition to the weather station was the FloodNet Sensor Gateway uh, Systems uh, that monitors flooding conditions in the borough at different areas within the borough, and it's part of a network of different weather stations and flood net stations all across New York that helps, of course, um, data scientists with collection of data, of course, to mitigate uh, in times of poor weather and of flooding, and of course, uh, is used by uh, first responders in the event of a time of crisis. So speaking with our three guests today, we will learn a lot more about the weather station and about FloodNet and the different happenings going on there. And without further ado, let's welcome them in now. Uh, joining me on the line is CSI Professor Zhang Yang Zhang, 
Uh, also joining us is Alan Benemoff of the College of Staten Island and the City University of New York's Ricardo Toledo Crow joins us as well. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm honored to have not one, not two, but three of you joining us today, giving us insight into this great project, and I'm sure we'll learn a great deal about. Uh, before we get into the material, however, I wondered if we could give our audience a little more insight into you as professionals. Can you each take a turn and tell us a little bit about your career, your professional endeavors, and ultimately what brought you to CSI? And we'll start with Professor Benamoff. Okay, th thank you. So I am Professor Alan uh, Benamoff, um, a professor in the Department of Engineering and Environmental Science at the College of Staten Island. Now I graduated CSI with an AS degree in engineering science in 1967, and I began to work as a technical assistant in the physics lab. There I was introduced to geology by going on somebody's field trip. Now on a sabbatical leave, I entered into the geology PhD program in Lehigh University and earned a doctorate in 1984. Now I'm a tenured professor at CSI. I then used GIS to study environmental issues such as land use and flooding on Staten Island. Our team studied the effects of Superstorm Sandy and published many scientific studies on Superstorm Sandy. Terrific, uh, Professor Benamoff. Thank you so much for that. And uh, we'll move on to uh, Professor Toledo Crow. Yes. Hi, David. Um, so, yeah, my background is is in physics. Uh, specifically, I got a, a graduate degree in, in optics. And I worked for many years in the biomedical field, making uh, research uh, optical instruments. Um, so uh, from there, I, I moved uh, here to the uh, Advanced Science Research Center back in uh, 2018. Um, and the reason I changed fields, because I went from optics and physics to environmental sciences, is, is due to the nature of this institution. The Advanced Science Research Center puts a, a strong emphasis on interdisciplinary work and research. So when I came with a different background, they embraced me. Um, uh, and I've been working in environmental sciences ever since, which has been a very welcome uh, change. I went from working in, in dark labs to being out in the open in Nova Jamaica Bay, uh, studying the environment in the New York City area. And so my research since then has been centered mainly uh, around developing and installing and deploying low-cost, low-power sensors in the city mainly, uh, and, and, and sensors and sensor networks, uh, of which the flood net, which we'll talk in a little while, is a central part. Great, terrific. And last but not least, uh, uh, Professor Zhang. Uh, uh, hi, thank you uh, uh, for giving us this opportunity. Um, uh, my career started with uh, AT&T uh, Bell Lab and working there on uh, uh, wireless communication network uh, research and de development projects. Um, but I I was a Standard Island resident for six years and I got my master degree in computer science from CSI and um, and also later uh, got my PhD from CUNY uh, Graduate Center. Um, well, I'm truly enjoying my working experience in telecom uh, industry, my true passion is always being a teaching and research. Um, by very close tie 
with CSI and uh, also the beautiful campus, and that attracted me to come to CSI as a full-time faculty. Um, my research interest uh, is to find a solution for the problem that have impacted people's life, uh, such as uh, cl climate change and flooding. As a computer scientist, uh, I'm very interested in data-driven modeling and use AI machine learning to find flood patterns from large volume data. Mesonet and Floodnet sensors provide uh, such opportunity with um, a, a large volume weather and flood data. Um, in addition, I feel very lucky to work with my colleagues from CSI and other CUNY campus, and we share same interests, and uh, we bring in a, a diverse background and expertise. Um, and also, I would like to take this opportunity to introduce some of the key members who are not on the podcast today. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Professor uh, Emeritus uh, Michael Kreiss has uh, worked on the CSI for more than 50 years as a professor of computer science and vice president of technology um, before that before retiring in, 19, in 2019. Uh, he's an alumni of uh, Richmond College and uh, has a lifelong uh, Staten Islander and he's deeply vest in uh, mitigating flood on the island. During his uh, retirement, he maintains a very active research agenda, uh, developing numerical models of environment challenges, including pollution, transport, and uh, flooding in the New York metropolitan area, which is a special focus on Staten Island. Um, <clears throat> And also, um, uh, Professor Tobias Schaefer uh, is a tenure professor in mathematics department and at CSI and a faculty at a physics program at CUNY Graduate Center. Uh, he got his PhD in Germany in, 20, uh, in 2001. And before joining CUNY um, in 20, uh, 2004, he was, he was a research associate at Brown University, and his goal for the project are to harness the power of machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, to improve the flood model and predictions. And we have a professor, um, Mandy Harris, uh, from Hunter College, and his expertise is uh, using uh, GIS, uh, information, um, the study, uh, the greenhouse effect and the global uh, changing, how they impact in the urban area. Um, he's a, with the Hunter College, a public policy department. Um, uh, so that's, uh, that's our team. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Professor Zhang. Uh, I'm glad you shared with us the rest of the team as well, because it is such a robust group of professionals, you know, working on this. And I'm also glad that you, you know, mentioned some of your interests as well, because, you know, we are here to talk specifically about the weather station on campus and most recently the progressions made with FloodNet. But 
I, you know, I wondered what got each of the three of you so interested in, in studying climate and how weather affects our environment. Was it something you've always been interested in? Because obviously it's it's interdisciplinary as well. Y yes. Um, our team is always interested in uh, the building a model, especially uh, focused on the satellite island. Now, our team have built an experiment model uh, start with the CSA campus to start the flood overland flowing and uh, in the case of a heavy rainfalls. And our model uh, uses Mesonet rainfall data and the Flonet um, sensor data to uh, collaborate the model and parameters uh, for better uh, or optimal result. Our model produce um, a very interesting result that show a similar flood pattern uh, compared to the flood pattern uh, that are detected or reported by flood sensors. So it has a very good match. Um, the CSI campus flood model encourages us uh, to use the data we collect by Mesonet and Flonet uh, to extend our study about the flood patterns to the entire state island. And hopefully eventually that we can apply that, what we learn uh, from CSI campus model and the other boroughs of New York City. Great, I, you know, I wondered if, if Professor Toledo Crow wanted to, you know, uh, chime in as well about, you know, what got you interested in, in studying climate and weather effects on our environment and if it was always something that was of interest to you. Oh, absolutely. So, um, as I mentioned earlier on, I, I, I came in into the whole field of environmental sciences from, from a completely different background. And uh, my, my initial, uh, say, interaction with, with the, the, the flood problems of New York City came from an early uh, 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 collaboration with people from the Science and Resilience Institute of Jamaica Bay, which is part of Brooklyn College. And uh, and it was a very small project where we were just uh, setting up some some uh, handful of sensors that were going to be monitoring the, the the situation, the flood situation around Jamaica Bay neighborhoods. And uh, I, I brought my expertise in, in sort of the technical aspect of, of of making the sensors and installing them and getting getting them to work together. After the floods of of, of 2021, when we when New York City got hit by Hurricane Ida and and Henri, and there was a, a terrible destruction and you know a lot of lives were lost. Um, that small project grew into um, into a, a very big project supported by the city administration uh, to try and get a handle to get a measurement of all the floods that may be occurring in New York City or going to be occurring in New York City. And then along the way, we, um, we I got I got into uh, collaboration with uh, Professor Zhang Zhang and, and Alan Benemoff and and Tobias Schaefer and Michael Kress through a grant, a CUNY grant that, that we put together uh, to, to take some of the the results from from this uh, big network of sensors and and try and do something with them. Uh, also, the, instrumentally, they provided support and contacts to get some of these sensors going in Staten Island, which is, as you probably know, one of the most affected, uh, if not the most affected uh, borough of the city in terms of flooding. So, so they've been instrumental in in expanding sort of the the whole flood net 
into Staten Island, uh, centered around the College of Staten Island, CSI. But not only that, uh, also expanding the network and, and the contacts to uh, other institutions like Port Richmond High School up on in the north side of, the, of Staten Island, as well as uh, down in the South Beach area of, of uh, the sports, the Ocean Breeze, that, that whole area where we've been uh, setting up a lot of sensors. So, so as I said, you know, this, I, I came at it as from the technical side of things, and now I'm, you know, I'm wholly participating in this project and, and, and learning a lot along the way. Excellent, excellent. And and Professor Benamoff, I know you've been tied to the project for some time. What got you so interested in studying climate and, and weather effects on the environment? Thank you, David. Um, I, I, I was always interested in flooding. Back in the 70s, we had Hurricane Agnes, which uh, gave us floods in the Northeast and everything. And then I got interested in GIS, and I started to plot a lot of the... Um, of the information on the GIS and everything. Um, and I recently used the Mesonet data to research the microburst that occurred on CSI campus on in August of 2021, causing extensive uh, uh, so forth. I, I, I also utilized the uh, rain data in studying Hurricane Ida. In, a, in a addition, uh, the Mesonet data has been incorporated into a presentation entitled The GIS Study of the Flooding from Hurricane Ida on Staten Island that I gave at the Northeast Section Meeting of the Geological Society of America in Lancaster, PA in March 2022. So that's my interest in this. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And, and Professor Benamoff, I want to stay with you for this one. Um, you know, yes. we're, we're speaking about the Mesonet weather station, which is it's actually housed on top of the Sports and Recreation Center at, at CSI, for those who might not know. And it, it's one in a cluster of stations in the metro area that are so important to tracking weather patterns and collecting data, as you mentioned. And I guess we could start right there first. What made CSI such a prime location for the station and its study? Well, it's a good um, question. Uh, we had an old weather station on the Building 1R, and it was really in bad shape. And then uh, Mike Kress uh, got, 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 got a call from the Mesonet pe people, and we set up the station here, the only one in Richmond County. So apparently uh, the New York State... Uh, what they did is they set up a Mesonet in every county, and we have the one for Richmond County. So uh, we get to... Uh, we get to use it to kind of study uh, the the, uh, the weather on Staten Island, uh, it, and so so I think it's really great. It has high, uh, it's it's re really uh, gives us a great deal of information there, uh, and so forth. Excellent, thank you so much. And you know, I'm wondering what 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 are the actual you know equipment pieces that comprise that comprise the Mesonet. Uh, weather station, you know, what does that equipment actually do? Um, you know, I'm assuming it collects data, um, but how does the team, you know, interact with that data and, you know, how often is it monitored, et cetera? Well, I think it's, uh, we, we get to, uh, we, uh, and, and anytime we have a, like, like some kind of a rainfall event, uh, we get to get the data from that to kind of analyze it. 
Now, the storm we had a couple of weeks ago, we got 2.7 inches of rain over that time, whereas places in Brooklyn may have gotten like eight or nine inches of rain. Uh, so we get to uh, get the rainfall, the temperature, the wind speed, direction, the pressure, the solar type of uh uh, you know, uh, and, and so forth, the snow depth in, in the winter and uh, so forth. Excellent. Excellent. So certainly there's a lot of data that is uh, collected. And then, of course, using that data is is paramount. You know, what what agencies right now use that data coming from the weather station and how does it help in real time or for future planning for weather related events? I, I could uh, I could talk about that a little bit. So so. As Professor Benemoff mentioned, so Mesonet is 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 actually a, a statewide network of, uh, of of stations, and uh, we have, uh, as he mentioned, we have one in each borough, and pretty much one. They're all, as far as I can tell, they're all on CUNY campuses and property. So the one in, uh, in Staten Island is on the College Staten Island. Uh, and there are other smaller networks that are managed uh, as part of this. Big network by by uh, some some of the utilities like Con Edison they they have also some so so the these stations um, they they have different configurations so one on Staten Island is probably one of the, the bigger ones with the most amount of uh, of of equipment and and they provide everything from rainfall to snowfall uh, wind direction and speed um, they also provide I believe they have a, a ra- there's a radar there that provides information about cloud coverage so it's a very complete station not all of them have all all, all these different uh equipment and by the way this is uh available data especially for academics like ourselves so in, in the case of of our project we have been downloading mainly the rainfall data uh as far as I can tell correct me if I'm wrong uh, but yeah, it's the rainfall data, which has been one of the drivers, obviously, of flooding, particularly inland in Staten Island. So we have been including that data with the data that we get from the smaller but, but wider network of sensors from flood. Excellent, excellent. And, you know, I, I'll ask this to the group as well, going a little off script here. As Professor Benamoff mentioned, you know, the, the rainfall in Staten Island you know, last week was very different from the rainfall in Brooklyn. So what does that what does that tell, you know, experts, you know, in, in real time or maybe for for future planning about how these how that works, you know, or how we prepare better, um, you know, and do these stations talk to one another and share that that information? Sure. So, so the the network, the, the, the information from all the networks is 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 available and it is is provided to to the National Weather Service and and all, you know all, all the agencies as as well as uh, 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 organizations like AccuWeather they all rely on this information and uh, and and of course they collect it from from all this all the all the stations and 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 get a sense for the overall pattern of weather and rainfall in the city but you are correct in the fact that there there are great differences in in what might be happening on one side of the of the city versus what might be happening up up north and and not only that but even within say Staten Island there might be differences what happens on one side of the island to the other so there is there is a need uh from from certainly from the 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 weather uh analysis point of view for a, what we call a hyper local information something that that gives us you know street by street or neighborhood by neighborhood information of what the the rainfall might be and this is something that we are 
uh, hoping to address through a, a, a you know so through through something similar to to flood in the, in the future. But for now, that's pretty much our, what we have. Our, our what we are relying on is this network of of um, called the Mesonet, as well as some uh, private sources of information. Alan, you have some inf- you have managed actually to find some other uh, uh, private weather stations. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, after Ida, we went online to the NOAA site, and there were three other or four other stations on Staten Island. I'm not sure where where, where they were, but one recorded something like 9.6 inches of rain, whereas we got 8.44. And the one in Eltingville was somewhere around f- five inches of rain over the, over the storm. So it, it uh, again, it depends on the path of the storm, and uh, that will determine the rainfall. Very interesting. Um, you know, and last year on CSI Today, we covered a story about, you know, flood net sensors and how this technology was going to be used to monitor flooding conditions. And it was basically, you know, a newer addition to the existing station, especially here on Staten Island, where we often are hit with flooding conditions after rapid rainfall. What are some of the da- data telling us since the sensors have become operational? Well, I guess I'll take that that one. So, so um, as mentioned earlier, there, there's a we've set up a number of sensors in 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 Staten Island, um, and we've actually recorded quite a bit of flooding since since then, uh, particularly in the in the um, the South Beach area. Uh, and what we're seeing is, uh, well, initially, uh, we are seeing that there are. Uh, you know, we're recording the 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 depth and the duration, the time in duration of, of the floods. So we can see when they begin and how high they go and when they they and they clear out. Um, this is something that is very uh, of great importance to us because there are a number of uh, initiatives coming down the line for areas like uh, like uh, South Beach. Where there's going to be the blue belt uh, uh, project uh, going to be constructed by the city, uh, with the intention of enhancing the natural ability of the, the creeks and the, the 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 water the waterlands there to absorb rain and to help uh, clear out the floods. Uh, so we we are very interested in, in getting some data before these these developments occur, so we can actually do a. Uh, a before and after comparison, and to get a sense for how how effective they they are to to help uh, uh, mitigate the the effect of the floods. Um, the other thing that we are finding is that there is indeed uh, a correlation between areas. We're seeing that you know some of the the flooding that occurs sort of up uphill, going up the hill on Staten Island, uh, occurs slightly before the the floods happen farther downhills, which is sort of to be expected, because we have a lot of those uh, streets that are, are apparently are, are becoming, uh, when they when they are saturated, they're becoming conduits for the water to to flow downhill, and they're not being fully uh, managed by the water, the, the the sewer system, which has a limited capacity, of course. Um, so we're seeing all these these kinds of effects, and and by the way, it's important to point out that th- th- there has never really been a systematic me- uh, record of of the floods in the city. So up to this point, uh, most of it has been driven by by calls to three one one reporting flooding. So it tends to be somewhat anecdotal 
but, but but with the with the flood net sensors and the network, we're hoping to really keep a, a very very accurate track of 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 when these things occur, where they occur, and and this will be instrumental in 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 directing uh, resources to to try and mitigate this. Yeah, that's that, that's a great point. You know, the going from you know anecdotal to now you know some hard data that can be that can be used. And I'm wondering, from the three of you, has has the data shown you like any surprises, things that you were kind of you know shocked to see, or you know was it able to kind of reaffirm some of the some of the um, expectations that you had about about flooding on on the island? So kind of interested to 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 find out if the data is. Is substantiating some of the some of the ideas that you had about flooding, or is it really showing you things that are opening your eyes for the first time on what water, what effect water has uh, in our borough? Uh, if I may, I want to uh, take on the question uh, briefly um, for the audience uh, ours, uh, Mesonet and the Flatnet, they are complement each other. Uh, Mesonet is one station per borough uh, cover relatively large area. Uh, but that is sometimes the, especially when you have a burst heavy rain, that rain can be very local. Um, so so Flanet and uh, deployed at a street and that provide, can provide a street level in, uh, rain information. Um, that is very helpful as an academic when we build our model, we need uh, uh, both type of uh, data input and uh, uh, and also validate our result. Uh, to answer your question that uh, um, we are very encouraging uh, by the C CSI campus model that we built that actually showed that uh, um, the Mesonite uh, rainfall data as an input to our model, and that um, uh, our model output um, with the 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 volume of the flood and uh, the depth of the flood water, uh, which uh, have a very um, similar pattern in uh, the close. So, uh, so that is really um, what what we are very happy to see that. If I could just add one thing to this. Uh, we found out that during Hurricane Ida, in one five-minute interval, it was raining at the rate of 7.32 inches an hour. Now, it didn't rain for the whole hour like that, but so we had a... Uh, so we get to see this with the with the, with the, with the uh, station we have here on Staten Island. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't even know that. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And I think part of what the what the information tells us is, you know, how to respond in in those situations, but also kind of in the longer term of like, you know, building and and how, you know, um, you know, how we build on Staten Island because of where water flows. I'm sure that FloodNet, you know, casts some light on on things like that. I know we spoke about, you know, our own campus and how, you know, our, our sidewalks are being repaired and we have some infrastructure that's happened. We had some flooding during some of these uh, some of these storms as well, to some of our basement areas. But I'm sure this data, you know, also speaks to like how we need to, you know, change our infrastructure or, or how things get built to compensate for how water travels, correct? 
Correct. Now, also, I may add that our group, uh, what we did is we plotted the 1896 streams on the present day footprint of Staten Island. And that could explain a lot of the flooding we're getting because those streams, m many of them are no longer there. I would say that during Hurricane Ida, some of our streets became streams. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I, and I think it plays into the next question, which, you know, I know we had met offline to this podcast and, you know, you had shown me um, some very interesting graphics uh, showing how the data we're collecting is helping us map how water travels and mm -hmm. how different geographical zones are connected and are affected by water flow. What are some of the things that we're learning about the data that perhaps we were not aware of previously? Alan, you want to take that? Well, I would say that uh, we learned a lot from this uh, study. Um, we see where the water is going to go. As I pointed out before, we used to have these 1896 streams, and many of them are no longer there. However, on the South Shore, we have New York City DEP blue belts, which uh, the DEP, uh, what they did is they used existing streams to manage the stormwater. However, on the North Shore, there aren't any blue belts. And the streams that were on the North Shore, a whole uh, slew of them uh, have been put on, have been pay paved over or something like that. And we saw in the westerly area during Ida, uh, what uh, our group saw was that um, uh, the 440 highway probably act acted like a dam uh, because there were streams there a long time ago that took the water out to the Kill Van Cull. But the water was coming down from the East Hills, and it got to uh, where 440 is, and um, it started to pile up. I think that that's what we hypothesize. You know, as vast and as interesting as the data is and the machinery is, this technology is consistently adapting and changing. Can you explain some of the artificial intelligence and machine learning that's maybe tied with this technology? and? what perhaps the future looks like for the actual machinery and technology associated with this project and projects like these? Uh, I, I will try. It's a good question. I'll try to, uh, to answer that as uh, best I can. Um, for the AI technology and in today, uh, the computing computation technology that provide a uh, uh, um, ad great advantage so that uh, we can build a model uh, to uh, model the behavior of the flood. Um, the, the model itself is quite complicated. I try to use uh, the common language to describe it uh, as best I could. Uh, the model generally need to consider many uh, physical input uh, and, and system parameters, uh, such as uh, rainfall, uh, Met, metro, meteorological uh, conditions, storm uh, elevations, line use, and a ground infiltration, and uh, the source, um, sewer system. So th those are just a few of them we needed to consider when we build or execute the model. Uh, the model itself is like a system that uh, they take data, some environmental data as input, then they will go through the computation, uh, produce the result based on certain mathematics and physics theory um, and using the value that we assign to those system parameters. 
and because of the sometimes the the merriment can be uh it, in the nature of the merriment that can have an error and also some cases that is very difficult to measure uh the value of those parameters um so we have to either to our best to estimate those values or to make assumptions so uh because of that the model uh quite often produces the result that does not exactly match the reality happening on the ground on the street so um the ai technology machine learning uh enabled us to improve the model result uh goes through the large volume data especially the networked um flood sensor to collect data from uh many different locations over time so that we be able to fit in that data into the model to have the model to learn from these mistakes and then um eventually the model become more small more smarter and then they can produce a more accurate value or result in terms of uh identify the flaw pattern or predict uh what are the what a local area may be more vulnerable uh, uh for the flood and also hopefully and if they can provide uh potentially they can provide a alarming ahead of the the flood happen so the residents can uh make plan or preparations to to uh to deal with to handle the flood if i can just one uh one aspect of this that i think is is that uh so uh th there's a lot of interest in having public alerts uh and and public announcements when it's uh there's a there's either a flood in progress or when there's a potential of a flood and um and of course using the the the, the artificial intelligence and models that uh, Zhang Yang professor Zhang is talking about would would is is critical to to enhance these alerts and to make them more reliable um you know to sort of to be able to 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 have a a, a certainty on 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 the veracity of of the alerts um and ideally in, in the best of cases have something that is known as uh as forecasting uh impact based forecasting where we could actually say well if the storm is coming this way and we predict so much uh rainfall the the floods are going to be likely in these areas uh which is of, of great importance obviously not just to the residents and people living in, in these flood prone areas but for the city itself as well you know to to do emergency management um a type of uh, administration yeah i couldn't agree more that that preventative you know maintenance so to speak is is so critical and really on the minds of a lot of people especially the more and more these these natural um happenings happen <clears throat> all of this information is so useful for mitigating weather related damage and predicting models and yet i know the team at csi is really excited about what's to come and the research still to come can you uh tell us what the future looks like for your team and some of the exciting things that your group specifically is working on that's tied to this project uh, thank you. Um, it's a good question. Um, so in our team, our vision in the uh, near future, uh, hopefully the model we built be able to provide um, accurate 
localized and uh, actionable information for uh, local communities, uh, municipal agencies, uh, first re responders, that um, uh, so that help them better uh, inform and prepare for major flood events ahead of time. In in addition, that uh, this information would be very useful for decision makers at a different uh, municipal levels. They can use this information with historical uh, flood data and uh, they can uh, answer many what if questions. Um, what if we build, um, for example, a dam here and what the result we, we expect, we would expect. Right. So this is to be able to guide the future uh, infrastructure investment that will, uh, I think, Professor Bannerfall talking about the blue bell and the seawall, and um, so that they can better invest the money and to achieve um, uh, the most effect. Um, particularly that um, this is the area that um, uh, Professor uh, Manny Harris uh, study area in the US and uh, in, in urban planning. That is uh, how we protect the neighborhood. They are more uh, vulnerable, um, maybe associated with their uh, social economic status. Um, some of the com community, uh, their less influenced community, they are suffering uh, unproportional to disasters um, than others. So there's as a as a urban planning, um, you know, infrastructure planning investment. So this is is a very useful tool. Could be a very useful tool. So I know Professor Mehdi Harris wanted to um, add a little bit more to this insight as well. Professor Harris, I know you're uh, with us for this segment. Did you want to add a few words? Sure, I can. I can expand a little bit on that. It is important when we understand the science of flood, how to connect that to policy. And there are a few things we can do. Um, one is first, we want to make sure where is flooding. Second, we want to make sure who is being negatively affected by that. And based on that, we can uh, create a campaign whether it is from uh, advocacy groups or by general public to take it to the legislators and um, trying to um, address those issues with policy. When we say policy, it is land use regulations and zoning and you know some of the design guidelines. Um, and that's exactly uh, what needs to happen when we know what our mitigation strategies are. For example, in, in increasing the permeable surfaces. Uh, for that, you need to take it to zoning, make convert it to some policy and regulation. And when new buildings are being constructed, then you can enforce um, higher qualities for green infrastructure that can mitigate flood and heat in the future. Thanks, Professor, Professor Harris. Um, so I remembered when we covered this story last year, um, during the flood net installation on the campus, you know, we had several students working with you as well. So for some that may be listening, be it students or community officials, fellow faculty and staff, how do people get involved with, 
with your with your group and with with your studies? How do they find out more? Perhaps align themselves to the study or lend themselves to being part of the team. Yeah, um, we've given several presentations at the civics groups on Staten Island to make them aware of this and be a partner in this type of study where they could tell us where flooding was taking place and things like that. Uh, so so that's been extremely helpful in this. From from the from the flood net uh, end of things, uh, we have we have a quite an extensive uh, community outreach effort. Um, where we have uh, several people involved in the project that will go out to uh, not not just the the community uh, associations as as we are doing here on on Staten Island, but uh, you know the the, um, the the community centers, high schools, um, a lot of the the local elected officials have been in touch with us, and and there's a there's a big effort to to educate. The, the people on on how as as professor Harris says how to how to take this data how to take this uh, information and use it for for to sort of to 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 present the the effects not just the effects of the floods but the 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 incidence of the floods as well um so so there's a uh if if, if I will we will post the uh, the website, uh, the floodnet.nyc website. There's a lot of information there on how to uh, both participate and how to request uh, these sensors to be installed in 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 the neighborhoods in the in the people's neighborhoods. Um, you know, there is obviously a, a complicated uh, priority process. We're triaging neighborhoods that are suffering uh, disproportionately from from others. But but we will get to every everybody every request at some point. Uh, the the floodnet network at this point has about seventy sensors, and we are growing them to up to five hundred or plus more over five hundred uh, sensors. So there's room to move. There's room to grow. Um, we are particularly interested in in neighborhoods where there is less of a advocacy, less presence, where the the residents might might have less uh, of an opportunity to organize and to advocate for themselves um uh, those are those because those just really provide very important information for the overall picture of of this network so yes there's there is a there, there are multiple ways to to participate and as far as cuny students go we always try to encourage students to to come with us it's a great experience you get a an exposure to the not just the technology and how it works and how to use it but also on on how uh different communities different neighborhoods are being affected um we rely a lot on the students to be like the, the first uh, presence in the neighborhoods they go out they introduce themselves they introduce the, the project um and they are great great uh great ambassadors for the project, so to speak. Uh, there's always a, a very important clarification that this network, these sensors do not collect any personal information. They're not cameras, for instance. That's a great, great thing that we have to highlight and, and, and make sure it gets across, that the, the message gets across, that we're not there recording anybody's uh, particular information. We're just there recording um, the floodings. Mm -hmm. 
the, the, when when the very beginning, uh, I think all our team members that we have a common strong belief that a, a local community resident is uh, our major stakeholders of our project, and um, they are the most important consumers and beneficiaries of the flood information at the street level, uh, particularly. So uh, we engage a local community. And uh, if uh, if I try to summarize that, the flow is from a three perspective, uh, education, operation, and decision-making. So I think uh, uh, Alan, uh, Professor Vanoff, and Professor uh, Toledo Crow have mentioned that the education approach to Yep. Um, high school students and uh, to our CUNY students, um, that um, that uh, then also we uh, have done some activity outreach to commit to local communities, and uh, we have done a uh, Staten Island uh, local cable TV show uh, talking about the uh, flood events and the uh, flood uh, uh, our work using the flood sensor data. Um, CSI is a is the only public college uh, on on the island, so it's our obligation to take on the task and work with communities. Uh, because over the years, CSI already built uh, deep roots with the communities, with local communities that are served. So um, we're very um, uh, lucky that we be able to take advantage of those some of the um uh, relationships the CSI already built of uh, for instance that um uh, Port Richmond High School is yeah. is become a major hub uh, for flying sensors and uh, under the leadership of uh, uh principal uh, Andrew Greenfield that we have agreed collaborations and uh, the they support us uh, for the sensor operations uh, in the operational point of view, um, community can be our partners. Um, they can be um, working as volunteers to um, participate in FlyNet or from sensor uh, operation by being a flood watcher. Sometimes on the street level, if, uh, if there are some place like a blank spot of the sensor, Flood sensor not be able to pick it up, and if they are noticed that, they can uh, report uh, a particular flood in the area, and we, we generally will call that a uh, cloud sourcing, and uh, and also be uh, become a steward of uh, the health of the sensors because the sensors located in their community in the street um, that can be damaged by nature or by by humans. So if they are good uh, store of the sensors, they can um, uh, tell us uh, if it's a damage that we can you know, repair it or they can uh, educate their neighbors. Um, so they are, they are truly our uh, ambassador to the communities. Um, the decision-making perspective, I think a lot of them mentioned that, um, Professor Harrison mentioned that um, Community members and uh, have the first hand of flood information and experience. Um, they can get us uh, provide information, so help uh, us to make a decision. Um, like Professor Toledo mentioned, that where 
is a critical location, we should install flood sensors that will give us a most um, flood data, critical flood data. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing is, and with equipped with the data we collect and the community um, leaders can be the best advocate, advocate for their need of flood, flood protection through their representative city councils. And uh, so, so influence their decision-making process. Thank you so much for for that perspective. I think it's 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 truly great um, and really groundbreaking the work that uh, the three of you and your and your staff uh, is doing in your cohorts, providing real ta tangible data that can make a real difference in our community. And as you mentioned, it's it's growing. Um, you know, we're we're still uh, in the beginning stages of of collecting data and really substantiating it. And it's it's growing. It's fascinating. And I hope that we can revisit. This discussion, you know, maybe next semester or, or, you know, in future shows, just to talk about some of the things that your group is working on and and some of the information that's coming out of it, because it's truly, uh, it's truly great work, and um, and we really appreciate the job that you're doing again in an interdisciplinary uh, environment and across different campuses. So, uh, you know, gentlemen, thanks again for for joining us on this podcast and and talking to us a little bit more about the work that you're doing and for the great work itself and helping make our community better. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much to have us on this podcast. Thank you. Once again, we want to thank our special guests from the College of Staten Island, Zhang Yang Zhang and Alan Benamoff, and from the City University of New York, Professor Ricardo Toledo Crow, joining us on this special three-person edition of the podcast. Uh, so thankful for those three gentlemen to be joining me on this podcast, learning so much about the environmental science uh, breakthroughs that are going on, weather predicting patterns, flooding um, forecasts, uh, the way rain and water is infiltrating our island. Uh, just an amazing um, degree of data that is being collected and the promise for so much more uh, to go on within this study. And we hope to catch up with this group, you know, maybe next semester or next year to uh, hear some of the new things and exciting things that are coming out of that project. So I'm very thankful for Professors Zhang Benamoff and Toledo Crow joining us on this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you for um, staying with us, of course, all year long and remind you to tune in again next week when Terry Mayers rejoins the show with another exclusive guest. Once again, we thank you for listening in to this week's episode of CSI Today Talks right here on CSIToday.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and our website at CSIToday.com. And we look forward to meeting you again right here on CSI Today Talks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the CSI Today Talks podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get alerted for brand new episodes and to listen on demand to your favorites. Be sure to check us out at www.csitoday.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.